Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. Good morning and welcome to Real Life Church. Whether you're with us in person or joining us online, go ahead and stand to your feet. And hey, I don't know how your week has been, if it's been amazing or rough, but I do know that we serve a God who is faithful. So let's worship Him big this morning. I saw Satan fall like lightning, and I saw darkness run for cover. But the Testimony, oh, I'm alive. This is my 
that the best days are ahead of you. Because of our great God and his goodness, we have a hope and a future today. So my prayer for you is that this is your story of our good God who died on the cross for us, has saved us. Today you can be forgiven. I'm the one who held the nail It was cold between my fingertips I've hidden in the garden And I've denied you with my very lips God, I fall down to my knees with a hammer forgiveness, Lord, for your mercy, for your love. And we're just going to continue into worship. 
and just thank you for your goodness.
Put your voices and sing this with me. God, you're so good. Oh, God, you're so good. Let's make that an anthem in this place. Oh, God, you're so good. You're so good to me. Oh, God, you're so sing this together. Oh God, you're so good. Oh God, you're so good. Oh God, you're so good. You're so good to me. Let's pray real God, you are so good to us this morning. You were so good to us yesterday. You are so good to us forever and ever, God. And we just lift our hands to you this morning. We just cry out no matter where we are, no matter what we're stepping out of, what season of life we're in, we're just going to give it all to you this morning. We're just going to put everything out of our minds, God. And we're just going to give it up to you. And we're just going to declare your goodness, God. You have just delivered us from sin from death, from hell, from the grave, and it's your glory, God, forever and ever. If you believe that, church, can I get a huge just amen for him today? Amen. Let's give it up big for God this morning. Come on. Man, it is, I, I say this every time, it's an honor. It is a privilege to worship with you, to just sing, to cry out to God each and every week with you. What a blessing to be here. Welcome to Real Life Church. You may be seated. And I wanna give a special greeting right now to everybody joining us at Real Life Church 
online. If you're online right now, I want you to throw up those likes and those hearts. I want you to greet each other in the comments and just get connected wherever you are. You might be in the car on your way to or coming back from vacation. You might be listening to this in podcast form or watching this later on YouTube. Whatever your story is, we're just honored that you're a part of what we're doing here at Real Life Church. So everyone in the room, can we give it up big for Real Life Church Online? What a blessing. It's so cool. You know, we think about all the, the, the negativity and all the bad things that came out of the COVID season, but man, a huge blessing is the starting of that Real Life Church Online just to see it continue and grow. I mean, just think of all the people we can reach with that. That's not lost on us. We're honored you're here. And hey, let me greet everyone in the room who is brand new in the room today. Can we give it up big for some new faces here at Real Life Church? Man, what a blessing, what an honor. However you heard about us, whoever invited you, you are our honored and special guest today. We're just so pumped that you're here. If you're here in the room and you're brand new, I want you to get your phone out. And I want you to text RL New to 97000. If you're watching live right now, there's a link in the chat that I want you to click on online. Whatever your story is, if you've never done that before, we want to connect with you this week. And I just want to give a friendly reminder. When I say connect, we will never show up at your doorstop unannounced. Not that kind of church. Praise God for that. Maybe some of us have stories about that in the past. But we want to connect with you digitally this week. A member of our team wants to reach out and just see how your Sunday morning went. We want to answer any questions that you might have about God about what a relationship with Jesus looks like, about what we believe and who we are here at Real Life Church, but maybe even most importantly of all, we wanna see how can we walk with you this week? How can we be praying for you this week? I'm gonna say it this way, don't rob us of a blessing. We wanna get to know you. Come check us out, RL New to 97,000. We would just love to connect with you. Hey, check this out too. If you're brand new in the room, please don't leave today without stopping by the new here booth. We have a small gift for you. Just our token of thanks for being here with us at Real Life Church. I want to also throw this thought out your way. All right, especially if you're brand new, you, you made a big step today coming to Real Life Church. You made a big step clicking on that link to check us out online. What would happen if you committed right now to giving three more Sundays to doing the same thing. Coming back out to Real Life Church, listening to us online, seeing what God has for you and your family and your life. And I'm gonna even make it even easier. Trips and all that good stuff, all the great things of summer, doesn't even have to be consecutive. What if you gave God three more Sundays of your time? What doors might he open in your life? What truths might he speak to you through his word, through a message. I don't know. I'm just saying, what happens if you do that? No pressure. I'll never, I'll never twist your arm or anything like that. But I will say this, you won't be mad you did if you give it a shot. We're just, either way though, we're just so pumped that you're here. We really are. Real Life Church is a church on a mission. And that mission's right up here. We exist to see people far from God discover their real life and purpose in Jesus. Now, I don't know where you are on your journey with Jesus. Jesus might just be a name you grew up hearing about and you've never explored it for your own. You might be so well-versed in the Bible that you could just, you know where all the verses are, you know the history, you know the tribes and all that good stuff. That's great. 
I said it in the first gathering, you might be on chapter one of your story. You might be on chapter 101 of your story with Jesus. This is a place that you can come to and know that you are having an incredible impact on what God's doing in Cass County, Missouri. Can I get an amen on that? I'm telling you what, we're on fire. We're passionate about what God's gonna do in this city in the weeks, the months, and the years to come. And I, for whatever reason, I know that God has you here, that God has you listening on a purpose. I want you to connect with him this week and figure out what that's about. And I wanna extend that a little bit further. I want you to think about who are the people in your life that's close to you, but far from God. Bring them out, because we're a church. Another way we say that, we're a church for the unchurched. We're a safe place that you could bring someone that they don't have to put on a show. They don't have to put on their suit and tie or their fancy dress. They can be who they are, where they are, and get fed from the word and just be free to worship God and find out who he is. I'm gonna stop now or I'm gonna take the next 40 minutes preaching and nobody wants that. So thank you again for being here and think about those people in your life. All right, it's gonna make a huge impact. All right. Band, I know we don't have any violins, but I feel like I need to cue some sad music because I got some bad news for you guys today. I love to preach the good news and, and share with you the great things that are happening, but I got some sad news and I want to hear an awe. You're going to know when. This is the last message in our Awaken series. I know I hate to be the one to tell you that, but, I, but hey, I'm going to give you a little, a spoonful of sugar to help the bad medicine go down. It's the last message of this series, but guess who's preaching it today? Bam, yeah, right, Barry Hardy. So let's turn those awes into, yeah. Seriously, you guys though, Barry is gonna speak some practical truths into our life today. And he's just got this amazing story. I want you to be paying close attention, following along in the U version. God is gonna speak to you today through this man right here. Will you give your warm welcome for Barry Hardy? Come on, Barry, tell us something. Man, I don't deserve you guys. Drew, thank you. But season the first one, he uh, he was supposed to introduce me as the Bishop Barry, and I was going to look for the name tag and everything, but I don't have it. So we're going to go on without it anyway. Man, <laughs> it's got a ring to it, doesn't it, Pastor Sean? Bishop Barry. That's right. That's right. I'm probably, I don't know if Megan's in here. Megan, do not make me that T-shirt. <laughs> Please do not make me that t-shirt. Man, I'm right there with, with Drew. I have loved this series, Awakened Series. It has been a series that's been challenging, to, you know, just to know that God has so much for us, you know, find purpose, to, to, to know that God wants us to work through the relationships in our lives, just to shine on them and let God shine through us. As, you know, Pastor Sean just brought a great message last week. And I always talk about, you know, just, and it was, that one was a particular challenge, you know, because for me, for uh, any other introverts in the house, of course, you're not going to say anything, right? <laughs> I know you guys. You're my people. One of the things that's always been hard for me, and if, if you're an introvert, man, I hate small talk. I just don't like it. But I was encouraged a long time ago. They're like, you don't have to have small talk with people. Man, find out what their stories are because stories are important, and they really are. And, and when, uh, when Carrie was speaking a couple weeks ago, I had one of those. You guys ever have an oh, crap moment? Man, I had one of those oh crap moments. And it wasn't because she just did a great job, and, you know, talking about purpose. You know, it was really awesome. But she had the graduates up, and they were, they were introducing them. And my oh crap moment was because one of those graduates was mine. And it was my first one. I'm like, oh, man, I am old. I know I look like I'm 20, but uh, amen, right? Here's the reason why we love to hear stories of, of kids that are, you know, coming through graduation. 
And so many of you are in that boat, and if, if you're not, Pastor Sean, get ready. It is going to happen just like that. Jack is going to be up here. You're going to be telling that story. Now, Diane's going to start crying. <laughs> but we love to hear these stories of these graduates because we get to hear about where they've been, what they've accomplished. We get to hear about what's next for them in their lives, where, where they're going, what they think God's got for them. And man, it's just fascinating and just so interesting to hear how God's moved in each one of these kids' lives. And, man, the kids that have graduated here in the last couple of years, man, God is blessing them. And it's just so awesome just to see how God is using them and growing them. But, you know, hearing stories is just something about humans. We've always loved storytelling. Some of the oldest stuff that you can think of in history, cave drawings, really they're stories. And there's a reason why Hollywood makes billions and billions of dollars. And there's a reason why the book world makes billions and billions of dollars. Because we have a hunger. We have an appetite for stories. That's just who we are. That's what we love. And the thing about, I think the reason why humans love stories is, is, is that they can do so many different things. They can challenge. They can inspire. They can even scare you. Man, there are so many things that they can do that we just love. And everybody's different. And like I told the earlier crowd, you know, when you find out what some people's favorite stories are, it really tells you who they are. So I'm going to take just a quick, uh, a little liberty real quick, Pastor Sean, and I'm going to find out who our audience is today. And I'm going to find out what their favorite stories are. I think I see a guy right here. This is Josh Anderson. Josh, what's your story? Uh, hey, Barry. Uh, my, my favorite story is probably actually the story of the all-time greatest actor in Hollywood, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> uh, but you know, seriously, his life story, his biography, if anybody's ever read it, of coming from basically poverty in another country with dreams to get to America, doing that through the avenue of bodybuilding and then making his first million in real estate before he even became an actor and then becoming a you know, Hollywood icon, as we all know. So, yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger, his, his life story is pretty awesome, I think. That's awesome. The Terminator. you got to love Schwarzenegger. Who? Oh, Kelly. I'm going to pick on Kelly. Kelly's my friend. All right, Kelly, what do you got? We're friends. I'm just kidding. Um, mine would be The Princess Bride uh, because it's a story within a movie and then it's also a book, but it's a giant and adventure and a love story and torture and a miracle and it's just full of good stuff. So as a kid, I loved it. As you wish. She likes the torture part. I'm going to get my dad back here. Victor, who do you got? I'm an action movie junkie, and I've always have been. Um, I love westerns, good westerns. Uh, thinking about my favorite, one of the more recent favorite films, Silverado. Um, Kevin Costner, a bunch of other people, that actors that I really appreciate. But it's, I've always loved, and my dad always loved good westerns, and simple things about men and women facing adversity, and overcoming, you know, the story of the West and uh, a lot of different things that took place, good and bad. Uh, but I enjoy Silverado because people came together, different people came together to face adversity and they won. Man, that's good. Man, when you think about the stories that you enjoy, those are always something that you come back to. And uh, I know Pastor Sean, was, it, was your favorite? Was it Twilight? Was that what it was? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know the significance of that one. It's an autobiography. <laughs> Team Sean. Team Sean. <laughs> Stories are so cool because they draw us in and they capture our attention. 
Man, they make an impact on so many of us, and we all have a favorite. And I want you guys to know that you guys have a story. And the story that God's writing in your life, one of these days, somebody's going to read it at your funeral, and they're going to say, man, look what, how God used them. And so that's really cool to think about, and just to know that God has something for you, and that you have an individual story. Because for so many of us, we think, man, nobody cares about my story. Nobody cares about me. I'm a nobody. And that's not true. But I want to tell you guys about one of my favorite stories, just kind of set the scene. Have you guys ever heard of the book called The Count of Monte Cristo? A few, a few of you have heard it. I want you guys to know, if you do not know this story, you need to grab the book. It's about that big. It's like 1,300 pages. Don't get the abridged one. Get the unabridged. Or listen like I did. Listen to it on Audible. And this story is amazing. I had so many people encourage me through the years to, to read it. About five or six years ago, I checked it out. Now, the story of the account of Monte Cristo is about a guy named Edmond Dantes. Now, Edmond Dantes, he was like this poor guy, but he was a super hard worker, and he was on, a, on, on boats. And he was just working hard and working hard, and he was just accomplished so much. But there was a lot of people that became jealous of him and made a lot of enemies. He also had a, a fiancé named Mercedes, and she was one of the most beautiful women in the area. But in the same context, he had some enemies there, too, because there were a lot of other people that wanted her hand in marriage. So what happened to Edmund is this, is like this guy was a hard worker. He didn't do anything wrong, but his enemies all got together. And they figured out they had a common interest in getting rid of Edmund Dante. And so that's what they did. They betrayed him. They set him up. They, they, they made up this story. <clears throat> and Edmund ends up finding himself in one of the worst prisons in the world. And here he is. He hasn't done anything. doesn't even know how he got there. doesn't even know why he's there. I mean, he's that oblivious. And here he decides in the midst of his brokenness and his, and his destruction, he's, life's no longer worth living. He decides to commit suicide. He decides to starve himself. But by chance, he ends up meeting a priest, a guy named Abbe Faria. And this man, this Abbe Faria, completely changes Edmund's destiny. He changes Edmund's story. And it's just a fascinating story. And I won't give you all the details, but here's the short version. Is that instead of committing suicide... He sits down with Edmund, gives him a purpose, gives him a reason to live. They're going to escape, and that's what they're going to do. But he pours into Edmund's life because this priest is educated. He's one of the smartest human beings on earth, and he teaches Edmund everything that he knows from mathematics to reading to philosophy, logic, even how to sword fight. Man, he poured into Edmund. So Edmund comes from just this simple, hardworking guy to being also one of the most educated people but still rotting in a prison. So they, they hatch this plan, and they continue to work to dig and tunnel to freedom. But before they escape, the priest gets sick, and he's getting ready to die. <clears throat> so with his dying words, his last few breaths, he decides to give Edmund one more thing. And what he does is he tells Edmund Dantes the location to a secret treasure. And so the rest of the story is the story. It's a crazy, crazy story. Edmund does end up escaping. He gets his freedom. He goes and he finds this treasure on the island of Monte Cristo. And so the story becomes of him gaining all this wealth, all this power, this prestige. And then what does he do? He goes back and he gets his revenge. It's a story of revenge. And he brings justice to every last person that betrayed him. Even in the end, he finds love again. So this story is so powerful, so cool, and it just, it, it, it brings you hope just because everything came together. The hero got what he deserved, and everything worked out for him. And the reason I think I like this story a lot is it's just like the Christian story, isn't it? 
Because for so many of us, think about your story, the, the, the story as a Christian, here's what happens, right? Like, so you come broken before God, your life's messed up. And man, when you meet God, just everything becomes perfect, right? Your family's healed, it's restored, you're never ever sick again, you never have a problem with your job, right? Is, is that, is, 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 what? That's not your guys' story? Have you guys been sold that story before? I've heard that story, I've heard that story a lot. And I want you to know, man, that is not the story that God has. And that is not the truth. God doesn't ever promise you perfection. He doesn't ever promise that everything works out this side of eternity the way that we want it to. But what he does offer is something that you can't buy, something that you can't earn. And he wants to give you the grace from the gospel of Jesus Christ that sets you free. And that's called freedom. Because that freedom that you're going to get from God is one that just radically changes your life. And again, it's a freedom that has a cost. It's not pain-free. And that's for so many of us, we bought into the lie, the idea that, man, I'm a Christian, everything should be perfect now, and it's just not true. And so what happens when we buy into that lie? Because maybe you've had a spot in your life where you've been hurt, where you've been rejected, where you've been broken. Maybe that's you today. And you've come to one of two conclusions that you can only come to. If you believe that lie that the Christian life should be perfect, you have to think, man, I've screwed up, and God doesn't love me anymore, and he's done with me, and he's given me away. Man, what a horrible idea. Or maybe you're at a spot where, like, maybe I believed a lie. Maybe this is all just, just a crock. Maybe this isn't true. And I want you guys to know that neither one of those things are true because the premise isn't true. God has called us to freedom, not perfection. And I love the idea of, of, of stories. And I want you guys to know that for me, the best stories that I can think of are ones of freedom. And that's a little bit why I really enjoy the, the story of the Count of Monte Cristo. And if you guys just take a journey with me. So what are, some of the, or what are some of the stories of freedom that you guys have heard or seen or watched? And again, like I'm a big movie buff. I'm like Pastor Sean. But some of the ones that come to mind for me you guys ever seen The Shawshank Redemption? Man, what a great movie. Another guy that is wrongfully imprisoned who escapes. Another favorite one of mine, Schindler's List. Here's a German that is doing everything that he can to shield and protect Jews from being shipped off to concentration camps. He's trying to keep them out of prison. Or I even think of like true, true life stories, which Schindler's List is. But I think of the stories of Harriet Tubman and the Underground Railroad. Or I even think about Martin Luther King and sitting in prison in the South and his, his, his marches in Birmingham. And he was bringing a people out of oppression and giving them freedom. Those things are inspiring. Those things are, are motivating. And I want you guys to know, when you think about your story, the same thing can be true of you. What is God calling you towards? What is God calling you to do? Because if you're sitting there and you're broken and you're hurt, you might be believing the lie that, man, God can't use me. God doesn't want me. And again, I want you to know that is not the truth. God has something special for you. Because the people of God have never lived lives of perfection. And if you read the Bible in any amount at all, you'll see character after character, person after person, nation after nation that God speaks to and uses that has issues. They don't have these lives of perfection. And Israel is a perfect example. Israel is the people of God. They're the chosen people of God in the Old Testament. 
They have his covenant. They have his grace. They have his promises. Just like you as Christians have God's grace. You have God's promises. You have God's love. But Israel just was surrounded by enemies. And they, they had this constant temptation to go and listen to their neighbors and abandon God. But then they would come back. And here's the interesting thing about Israel. So if you guys don't know this, at the time Israel was there, they didn't have what we have today. They didn't have church. So they didn't get up every Sunday morning and come and hang out and worship God. Now what they would do is once a year, twice a year, or however, whatever festivals they went to, they would all go up to the temple, and it was in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem's on a high elevation. It's like kind of is, you know, elevated above the rest of the area. So they would go up to Jerusalem. That's what they called it. And if you read the Bible in the book of Psalms, there are 14 chapters, chapters 120 through 134, that are specifically sang by these people, Israel, that are going up to Jerusalem. And so these are called the Psalms of Ascent, going up. Or it's also called the Song of Pilgrims. And if you read these Psalms in 120 through 134, there are so many things that apply to us as Christians today. And I want you guys to think, as you are thinking about your story, and we read one of these Psalms, we're only going to deal with one of them today, I want you guys to know and think, is this, is this how I feel? Because I know for me, a lot of times, this is how I felt. You are just like Israel in a lot of ways. Read with me in Psalms 120. The first couple of verses is this. Let me know if this rings true for you. And remember, these people are going up to worship God. They are going to God. And so if you're going to God, have you ever felt like this? And he says, I'm in trouble. I cry to God, desperate for an answer. Deliver me from the liars, God. They smile so sweetly but they lie through their teeth. You guys ever felt like that? You guys ever felt like you're surrounded by friends or family or coworkers or just the world in general and that you are trying to walk God's path and here they come these people and they're supposedly, they want the best for you, but they give you lies and they smile so sweetly, but what comes out of their mouth is poison. And he picks up here in verses six and seven. He says, my whole life is lived camping among quarreling neighbors. Have you guys ever had any neighbors that like to fight? I'm, I'm blessed. I love my neighbors. But man, I know some of you and I know some of your neighbors. Ugh. You have very, very interesting neighborhood situations. Man, it is no fun living around quarreling neighbors. I know that's why Elkins left you guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's not true. That's not true. But he says, I am all for peace. But the minute I tell them so, my neighbors want to go to war. Guys, I'm going to God. I want to do what's best in my life. And man, I want peace. I want to do what's right. And the minute you say that, here comes the knives. Here comes the swords. Here comes the destruction. This psalm, man, echoes so many things that I've seen in my life. And it, seen, you know, it echoes some of the things that I'm sure you've seen in your life. Some of the lies that we latch onto, some of the lies that we believe that we think are going to fix, fix our lives, have a semblance of wisdom to them. And I've seen churches split, and I've seen you know, Christians differ over these ideas. But I want you guys to know some of the lies that we're sold are ones that we need to reject, especially if we want to find the freedom and grace in God. For example, if, if we think that justice is going to be achieved in this country by some person that we elect every four years, we're wrong. 
If you think your anxiety is going to be taken away by the next pay raise that you get at work and it's going to fix every, all your problems, it's not. If you think your depression is going to be lifted by finding Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright, it's not. It just doesn't work that way. The lies that the world tells us with those sweet, smiling faces never fulfill because they can't. Because they're divorced from God. They're divorced from the purposes that he really wants for you. And as Christians, we struggle with that because we live in the world that we live and we play and we work. And even though we're walking and going to God, we feel like we're beaten down. We feel all these struggles. And so I want you guys to know that God wants this freedom for you. And again, it's not a freedom of perfection, but it's a freedom and grace that only God can deliver and God calls you to reach and strive towards that. And again, like I said, freedom stories are some of the best freedom, or some of the best stories that you ever hear. And I naturally go to the idea of who is looking for freedom. Some of the stories that you hear about are immigrants, right? They are always leaving an oppression, something that's bad, whether they were coming from, the, from Europe or they're coming from Mexico. They're trying to escape something. And really... A Christian, in most respects, is an immigrant. A Christian is a pilgrim going to God. We're trying to flee something. We're trying to escape something. We're trying to escape the lies of the world, the wars that our neighbors bring upon us. And God's got something great for you. And so I want to give you guys some really, really practical application for you today. And these are things that if you were to use them in their life, and these are straight from God's word, it doesn't fix your life in the sense that everything goes perfectly, but it gives you a way to keep striving towards God and it allows God to write the next chapter in your life. And that chapter will be one of freedom and grace. So step number one is this. And we're going to go to, to a guy that, that wrote most of the New Testament. His name is the Apostle Paul. And in Romans chapter 12, he gives us our first step. He says this, offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. Read with me real quick. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, when Israel was going up to Jerusalem, they were going up to make a sacrifice. If you guys didn't know that, they would kill goats, lambs, sheep. And those sacrifices were dead. They were gone. But God's called you guys to something greater. He's called you to be a living sacrifice. Now, I want you guys to also realize this is that this inherently means that God cares about our body. He wants your body to be a living sacrifice. It isn't something we throw away. It isn't something that is unimportant to God. It isn't something that he wants us to destroy. He wants us to take care of our bodies. And that's really important. And the reason that Paul talks about this is that he, he knows this one certain thing. Is that our body is where the Satan, where Satan, the enemy, likes to attack us. It's because... Our body is where sin functions, our appetites, our addictions, our habits that distract us from God. So when we live as a living sacrifice to God, I mean, it reorients our whole lives to looking for what God wants for us. Now, I grew up in a, a relatively conservative church. It was a Baptist church. You guys, ever, you guys know what legalism is? You guys know what that means? It means that you get a list and a set of rules and regulations. Do this, don't do that. If you go over here, you're out of bounds. If you stay in this area, you're all good. 
And it, man, it's so black and white, and everything works out real well. But if you've ever lived in that world, it looks good from the outside, but on the inside it's full of death and destruction because it's just not how God works. And I have the privilege of getting to help lead a life group in the spring and fall called Freedom Group. And if you guys haven't checked it out, I would really encourage you to come check it out one of those semesters. It will just radically change your life. But what we learn in that, in that is, is that God calls us to a freedom, but he doesn't call us necessarily to a list of rules and regulations. Because every person here is a little different. So, for example... It, where I went to church and grew up, and all these lists of rules and regulations were very, very Baptist. And there's a guy that walked around, he had this saying, and not everybody said it, but it echoed the, what the rest of the church believed. said, here we don't, we don't drink or dance and chew or go with girls that do. Did you guys ever hear that one? But show a hand. How many girls you know, girls out there, you guys chew Copenhagen? None of you guys chew Redman? I don't, I, I, don't, I don't know any girls that do that. But that was the whole idea. We cut these things out of our lives, and then we were good. We, we, we were righteous before God. That was the whole idea. And my family kind of lived that motto. Like, my, I never saw any alcohol in my house at all growing up. We didn't struggle with Bartles and James, but we had a problem with Ben and Jerry's. You guys know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Amen. That's right. That's the good stuff. We weren't, like I told the other group, we weren't hitting the Hennessy, we were hitting the ho-hos. <laughs> so we had this idea that we were all good. We didn't have any alcohol, but here we were dying of heart disease and diabetes. <laughs> you know, God's got to be okay with that. So when you set up these lists of rules and regulations, I'm not the guy that's going to give that to you. Because I can have a couple of beers, and I'm going to be okay. Maybe that's not your story, because I've had a lot of friends that have struggles with alcohol. And so if that's you today, the, here's the idea that God wants us to offer your bodies. We don't allow anything to control our bodies that take our lives away from God. And so whatever, whatever masters you becomes an idol. And that was the struggle that Israel had. Israel would let idols come in their life, and then they would have to change, and they'd have to repent. So you have to answer that question between you and God. What are the things that distract you? What are the things that, that, that hold you back? Because you'll never see me in the gutter with a bottle of wild turkey. But in my deepest, darkest moments, you might see me at the house binge-watching seven seasons of Breaking Bad with two tubs of ice cream and the brownies, two liters of soda. And then that's my issue. That's my weakness. Those are the things that, that God's called me to walk away from because I know it's going to destroy me. I've watched it destroy so many people in my family. But offering our bodies is so much more than that. As a living sacrifice, God called us to not only destroy, not destroy our bodies, but to do something proactive. And there's another book, James. I want you guys to check this out with me. James 127. And I usually don't use this word because I don't really like it. And it's the words called religion. It has a lot of negative connotations. Because most of the time when we think of the word of religion, we come back to those rules, those regulations. This is how I earn my way to God. But James says this in 127. Pure and undefiled religion before our God and Father is this. is to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. The unstained by the world is what we just talked about. Don't sacrifice your body to idols. The first, the first part is what I want to talk about, though, is who are these orphans, who are these widows in this context? In this world, the orphans and the widows were the people that were marginalized, the people that were thrown away, the people that couldn't take care of themselves. And God's called us as, as true worshipers of God 
to make a difference in their lives, to walk in and show the light that God has for them and even meet some of their material resources and their needs because they couldn't do it for themselves. And so the same hands that God's given you can do two different things. Your hands can hurt and destroy or they can help heal. And I think of a situation that's gone on in Belton here for the last couple, two or three years. And some of you guys are involved in this situation. And if you know the whole, the, whole, the whole issue with all the homeless people over here on the west side of town is that there's divergent opinions on what should happen. And a lot of the city leaders and a lot of the business people, they just want them gone because they're an eyesore, they're an issue, and they want to get rid of them. And they'll do anything they can to do that. And so they've taken their hands and their, and their motivations and their resources to make those people disappear. But so many of you that I've gotten to serve with and gotten to know, and I've gotten to know your stories, is that you've taken your lives and you've taken your hands that could hurt and destroy people and push them away. You've opened them. You've taken the resources from your own life. You've went and, and, and fundraised and you've given your time and resources to give free hot soup on Wednesday nights or work and volunteer at Heart and Hand. I truly believe that is what Paul is talking about, is offering your bodies as a living sacrifice. To bring hope into the hopeless and bring meaning to the people that just don't think that they're worth anything, it is invaluable. It changes somebody's life. To be a living sacrifice. Offer your bodies constantly. You keep them unstained. But be proactive. Use your bodies for good. Go change the world. I love the idea of what we're doing at the, at the, at the, at the Dream Center. And we're, that's just getting off, off the ground. And I can't wait to see what God uses just by having this little space that we can bring in and train people and help lead them into finding what's next in their chapter. You guys can be a part of that if you're not already. Step number two is this. Renew your minds. Romans 12, 2 which is the next chapter, read the first part of it with me. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, the mind is so important. It was what we always already saw is that sin functions in the body. It's how we do it. But what controls the body? It's not the body. It's the mind. And Jesus is very clear about that. If you read the Sermon on the Mount, he asked, and he, he confronts the, the religious leaders at the time. He says, hey, you guys say, don't commit adultery. He goes, but I want you to know that if you've had a lustful thought after a woman, you've already committed adultery in your heart because that's where it starts. You just don't go cheat on your spouse just out of nowhere. It started up here. Jesus also said, you know, don't be a murderer. That's what you guys say. But murderer starts in the heart as well because whenever you've called your brother a fool and you've had hate in your heart, you're just as guilty as somebody that's committed the actual action. Renewing your mind is so much harder for so many of us than, than disciplining the body. Because if I go work out and I get rid of the sweets out of my life and I don't abuse alcohol and I don't cheat on my wife, that's a matter of discipline and I, and, and I take the steps to protect myself. But man, renewing your mind, it's so much harder because you're always being fed by the, by the lies of the world. And I think there's a spiritual battle here. I think the enemy is always attacking you. And man, in, this, in the last life group, I got to hear some of the stories from the man I call my dad, Victor, and his wife, Vicki. Man, they have so much insight. And, and the reality is this, is that we do have an enemy that is coming after us. And most of us don't acknowledge it or don't even think about it. But there's a battle for your mind because there's a battle for your soul and there's a battle for your body. And you, the way that you defeat that 
is to have a daily habit. So here's the practical part for this. How do you renew your mind? Because maybe you're in the spot where you feel broken and you know your mind's trapped and you can't get out of that. Well, here's the, here's, here's the, practical, the practical application. Man, get into God's word. And it's not like, all right, I've read one chapter today and now I'm good. No, 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 no. That's not what God's asked for us. God wants us to get us to know what he has for us. And Pastor Sean talks about, and he's mentioned this several times, is that he does a daily declaration. Man, what a great tool to know who you are in Christ. Because as you read Bible verses, maybe you're struggling with an addiction. Or maybe you're struggling with self-doubt or self-worth. If you read the truth of God's word, those things will come through loud and clear. Some of the things, if you, some of the, things the daily declarations that you can come away with are, I am God's child. There's a verse for that. I am free from the condemnation of Jesus. I've been chosen and appointed to bear fruit. If you fix the mind and you renew the mind and you center it on God's word, man, it will change your whole life. And really, I think that's really where the battle happens for so many of us. It's in our mind and it's in our self-worth. I was listening to just a really, really interesting uh, interview. And it, was, it was a lady who had transitioned to being a man and then had transitioned back to being a woman. And just, that's not my world. And I'm fascinated. I love the story. I love all stories. But the thing that just really struck me and hit home for me and then just, just, you know, humbled me and just made me aware of what God's really done for me in my life is this. Is the interviewer asked her, you know, what's the motivation for, for both, both of these changes? And this lady, she's not a Christian, self-admitted. She doesn't go to church. She's not even spiritual. But she said this one word. She said, I did both of these actions based on shame. And, he, and he's like, well, what do you mean? She's like, I didn't. She goes, I was ashamed of who I was as a girl. And then I was ashamed of who I was as a man. So I went back. He's like, well, he goes, you know, how, he goes, how did you get rid of the shame? She goes, I haven't. It was heartbreaking to know that here was a person Whose, whose mind was so destroyed that she has no self-value because she didn't know who God had created her to be. And so she was lost. And I've known so many people. I've, I've got people that have committed their lives to God. And I was talking to, I was talking to one of them a couple weeks ago, and he struggles with depression. And he said this to me. He's like, he goes, oftentimes when I have conversations with people, I, I feel like they're fake. He goes, because they just have to be nice because they're Christians and they have to talk to me. He goes, but I know that what I've done, because he abused uh, methamphetamines, he's like, he goes, they don't want to be really, they don't want to be my friend, I'm a loser. And these are the things that he would tell himself. And before I could give him any kind of advice, he's got, he, goes, he goes, that's not true. He goes, it's how I think, though. He goes, when I read the Bible and I come back and have a daily declaration, he goes, I know that I'm loved. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the promise. And so that's where you have to go as well. When you're in that spot where your mind is fighting you, find a daily declaration. Find a verse that God can speak to you through, and it will completely change and renew your mind. Last habit is this. Number three, surrender, our, surrender your will. Sin functions in the body. The mind controls the body, but your will controls your mind. The last part of Romans 12, 2 says this, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his pleasing and perfect will. It is so crazy to know that we can know what's right and not do it. And the very fact that we can have knowledge 
but no ability to take care of it because we know that's what God wants and that's not what we want in our lives. It's, it's just, it just fascinates me and it's heartbreaking all at the same time. Jesus also in the Sermon on the Mount says this. He says, when we go to pray, because so many of us, we love to pray, but we only pray when the things get bad. And we look at God as like this genie, this wish maker. But God and Jesus says this, is that, you know, we should pray for God's will to be done, not mine. And it should be happening here in earth as it is in heaven. That's the whole idea of what the will should be. And I told a story earlier about a guy that you don't know. And there's a little bit of conflation, a little bit. I don't know if it's a renewing the mind or a changing of the will, but it's a fascinating story. And it's a guy named Daryl Davis. And you guys have probably never, ever heard of him. But who he is, he's a, he's a black entertainer. He's a musician. And he works in the South. And he's in his 60s now. Specifically, he goes into R&B and, uh, and, and, and that style of music, you know, blues. And he tells this great story, and I won't, I won't share the whole thing, but it's fascinating to see how people change their minds. So he gives this one performance, and just everybody in the club's going crazy. They had a great time. He gets done, and he gets invited over to this table. Somebody's going to buy him a drink, which that happens. So he's sitting at the table with three white guys, and they're having a drink. And the one white guy says this. He's like, he goes, man, he goes, I can't believe that I'm here. He goes, I've never had a drink with a black man before. And this guy's in his 50s. He's like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, he goes, just hang out. I don't hang out with black people. He goes, I've never had a drink, never, never hung out with, with a black person before. He goes, you're in your 50s. How'd that happen? He's like, well, it just is. And dude, Daryl's a brilliant guy, super intellectual, super smart. He's not just a musician. He just encompasses everything. He knows everything about music. He knows everything about just politics, everything. The guy's brilliant. He's like, no, no, really, I want to know. He goes, this, doesn't, this sounds odd to me. You're in America. What are you talking about? So the guy reaches down into his wallet and pulls it out. He opens it up and pulls out a card. And Daryl said it was a, he was a card-carrying member of the KKK. Completely blew his mind. And so if I'd have been in Daryl's shoes, I probably would have done, I probably would have got up. I'm like, oh, obviously he doesn't want me here. But that's not what Daryl did. Daryl knew that this guy had a problem with the mind, but he had a problem with the will as well. And so what he did was this, is that he spent time. And over the next matter of days and weeks and months and even a year, he invested in this guy's life. And the more that this KKK guy got to know Daryl, the more that not only his mind was changed, but his will was changed. And so at the end of a dinner, after a lot of time together, the guy comes over to Daryl's house and he walks and Daryl opens up the door and the guy's standing there holding this robe with a hood. And Daryl's like, what's up? What are you doing? He's like, he goes, I can't wear this anymore. He goes, being with you has changed my mind and changed the will and where I want to go with my life. And so as Christians, if we spend time in God's word and we decide to follow God's will, it will change how you look and how you perceive the world and what you think is right and what you think is wrong. And that's what God's called you to do. Because there's so many times in my life I know that I'm thinking that I'm doing the right thing, but I haven't prayed about it and I haven't searched out God's wisdom in my life. And it's completely gone sideways for me. And God has called us to give our will over to God. And I want you guys to know that for so many of us that we feel like being a servant and giving our will over to somebody else feels like giving up. 
it feels like we're putting ourselves in prison like Edmond Dante. But I want you guys to know that that is not the truth. If you employ these three things, if you offer your body, if you renew your mind, if you surrender your will, you become a servant. And a servant is the most free person in the world. A Christian servant is free to do anything because God's given you a freedom. And he's there to write your next story. The, uh, the story that kind of brings this home for me is a personal one. I started off talking about my son and I'll end on talking about my mother. I don't know about you guys, but for me, I grew up in a Christian home, but my mom was the center of that universe. She was my rock. She was the one that brought structure. She's the one that brought discipline. I was telling the earlier group, my mom was so strict that she would beat us almost over anything. You guys are, I, I was more scared of my mom than my dad. I don't know about you guys, but my mom was a Sunday school teacher. She was a Sunday school superintendent. Man, everybody looked up her. She was a leader in the church and she was so strict. Man, we couldn't do anything. I couldn't watch Richie Rich because it promoted greed. I, rem- I remember, I remember I stayed at my cousin's house one night and I was 10 years old. And I told you, I love movies, right? I love stories. And one of the best movies ever they rented and I got to watch. Do you guys know Top Gun? Man, can you imagine being a 10-year-old boy and watching those fighter jets take off and you hear this cool music? Man, it blew my hair off and that's what happened. That's how, I know you guys were wondering. That's the story. Loved the movie. Man, I was so jazzed, I was ready to watch it again. I went home the next day. Mom, my mom said, what'd you guys do? I said, oh, we watched the movie. She's like, what was it? Told her. She was not happy because she knew there was a sex scene in it and there was a lot of violence and cussing. She goes, I cannot believe that you watched that. This is how strict my mom was. This is how, this is how she ordered her life. And this is how she was centering her, what she thought was best for us and what she wanted for us for God. She asked me this question, I'm 10 years old. She's like, she goes, what were you thinking? I'm like, well, everybody else was watching it. And she brought out the, the proverbial parent moment. She's like, well, if everybody else was smoking marijuana, would you? I'm like, I'm 10 years old. Uh, come on, mom. Is this a trick question? But that's who my mom was at that point when I was 10. Well, life got crazy. She had, a, and, and, and as the years went on, her and my dad's relationship wasn't the best. And so there was, there were, there was a, a spot where I, the only thing that I could say is, is that she was worn down and beat down. And she's, she had a, a group of friends come in her life and a little bit like what the Psalms was talking about. And they had sweet smiles, but she didn't realize that the things they were telling her were lies. And they're like, you are missing out. You never had a time that you could be on your own because my mom got married young. They're like, you don't know what the world's all about. You know, you're stuck in this. Hey, you should come hang out with us. You should come party with us. And my mom had those influences in her life. And this was my mom who was the center of our existence. She was the one that centered and she was our compass. But she started straying and she started getting beaten down. And there's a lot of things that were wrong. There was a lot of things that, were, that she struggled with that weren't fair to her and she was hurt by. And it came to the matter of the will in her life because she had all the answers. She knew the right ones, but she decided if God hadn't taken care of this at this point, she was gonna find a better way to do it. And here's the problem. And here's the thing that I've seen in my own life. And maybe this is you as well. 
if you've made a decision for Jesus at some point and things haven't gotten perfect because you bought the lie that we should have perfection, what happens when we follow our own will and we get rid of God's? It's what happened to my mom. I got emotional earlier. I'm trying not to today <laughs> on this one. She had, she had this list of problems and brokenness. And she walked away from God. She divorced my dad when I was 17. And it wasn't until many years later that she made an admission to me. She's like, it didn't fix anything. She goes, I started off with one set of problems and I just compounded it. I had one and I walked away and I made 20 more. The thing that changed my, uh, the thing that changed my mom's will is, is still miraculous to me. And I think uh, this is why I am emotional because I still, I still don't understand God's grace. When I was 19, I'd done a year of college here at Longview and I didn't really know what I was gonna do with my life. I didn't expect to be a concrete worker because <laughs> I hated it. I hated it. Man, God's got a sense of humor, I think, because he's going to use me here. But I decided I had an encouragement to go to a Bible college. And I'm like, I don't know. Let's do it. And I had so much pushback. Everybody in my family that still went to church, they're like, what are you doing? You're throwing your life away. But here's my mom. I tell her, and she's as far at that, at that point, she's probably as far away from God as she'd ever been. And she's like, you know, that's cool. That's awesome. I think you should follow God. And that's, and that, and that's what I did. I went to college, and, and that's a whole other story. But here's the cool thing. God used that story. He used, he used my story, what he was doing with me. He changed my mom's will. My mom had been the sinner, had walked away. She was so strong. I think she looked at her life and said, man, if God's gonna use my kid, what am I doing? She looked at the problems that she had walked away from and thought she was gonna fix. And here's the baggage she was left holding with all the other issues. Cause she was looking for this life of perfection. And she told me in this conversation I had actually just a few years ago, I said, you know, mom, what were you thinking at the time? She goes, she goes, I had so many people, so many Christians in my life that were coming up because they knew, they knew where I was going. She goes, but here's the thing I knew too. She goes, it wasn't a matter of fixing my mind. She goes, I know it needed to be renewed. She goes, I knew what I was doing to my body. It wasn't offering it anymore. I know I need to change my mind but nobody gave me information because it wasn't a problem found in either one of those two places. It was ultimately a problem of my will. And she goes, to get past that point, she goes, I had to decide that what God wanted for me was better than what I wanted for me. And so maybe that's you today. Man, here's the practical part. I don't know everybody's story in here. I know some of your stories, but I don't know all of them. And even if some of the people that know your stories, man, I really don't know the story because maybe you're hiding. Maybe you put on a face. I know I've done that. So if you're here today 
and you've made that decision for Jesus, but you don't feel like it. And you, you know there's things going on in your life and in your body. You're not living as a living sacrifice. You know you need your mind renewed. You know you need to surrender your will. I want to encourage you to get into God's word. Give God another chance. And don't believe the lies that are in the, in, in the world that your neighbors have for you. And this is the last part. Israel's neighbors, the, Israel's na- enemies, man, when I think of an enemy, I think of somebody that I'm scared of. But Israel's enemies are, were temptations because there were two countries that God had called Israel out of. Mesop- Mesopotamia was one. That's where God called Abraham out of. In Mesopotamia in that time, they represented power and might. But God called Abraham out of there. The second country is the one you probably know for sure, Egypt. God called Moses to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Egypt at that time represented wisdom. And who doesn't want power? Who doesn't want wisdom? But they were divorced from what God really wanted. They gave no room for God. And so God had a chosen people, a a, a people called Israel, a people called the church. That's you guys. We have to get rid of the enemies that are temptations. We have to go and run towards God. We have to be the pilgrim that God's called us to be. And we use a word called repentance. And a lot of times repentance has a negative connotation. We view it in negative light because we view it with guilt and shame and feeling sorry. But man, repentance is just changing your mind. It's saying no to the world and saying yes to God. So my encouragement for you guys is this, is accept God's truth. Form those daily habits. Offer your bodies a living sacrifice by renewing your mind, surrendering your will. Because I, I want you guys to know, and this is where I'll end, the truth of God will always explain your life. The grace of God fulfills your life. The love of God will bless your life. Choosing the no from, of the world is saying yes to God. And that's where, as a pilgrim, you will find freedom. Pray with me. God, we come before you. We're humbled and honored just to be able to choose you because you've chosen us first. God, I want to pray for a group of people here today. God, I want to pray for Christians that are in a spot where they never thought they'd find themselves. They're hurt and they're broken and they feel destroyed. And they they are, are contemplating taking the temptation of following the way of the world. And if that's you here today, and you are a follower of God and follower of Jesus, I want you guys to know, do not give up this path. Do not give up the freedom of God for something that will never bring satisfaction. I wanna pray for you if that's you today. God, bring restoration to your people. God, give them the hope that they had at one time. God, help them to live in a way that they can surrender their wills and it renews their bodies, it renews their minds that they could live as a living sacrifice in their body. I want to pray for one last group. And maybe you're, you're here today and you've never made that decision for God. Maybe you've never followed Jesus. And you don't know what true freedom looks like because you're a slave to a relationship. You're a slave to an addiction. You're a slave to something. And I want you guys to know that God has freed you to live your best life. And God wants to write this next chapter in your story. So if that's you today and you want to make that decision for God, man, it's so easy. He is ready to hear you today. And I'll invite you to pray a prayer that will be your beginning of your journey of following God and finding that freedom that he's promised to you. So if that's you today, pray something like this with me. God, I come before you and I want to give you everything that I've got. I know that sin has destroyed my mind and my body. 
And God, I, I repent of that. I want to change my mind. I want to say no to the world, and I want to choose you. God, please accept me today. Give me the freedom that you've promised, and help me to walk the rest of my days with the knowledge that you're my Savior. We lift up all these things in your name, Jesus. If you are with us online or if this is you today and you made that decision for Jesus, I want you to know that we are so excited for you. Real life, can we give everybody that's in that situation just a huge round of applause? That's right. Awesome. And hey, who was encouraged by those words from Barry this morning? Let's give him some honor. It's no easy task to jump up here and be real in life, but he did a great job um, just sharing what God had put on his heart. And so we're thankful for that and we honor him. Um, if that is you today and you said, hey, you know what? I do want to start a relationship with Jesus. That's something I've never done before, something I don't know about. We would love to connect with you if that's something you did today or recently and help you on your next steps in that journey. Um, and a couple ways you can do that is you can actually take out your phone. You can text RLNEXT to 97000. That is going to take you to a part of our website where there are some free resources to connect you to a Bible app and just really help you to take those first steps on your journey. And the best place that, well, the best place, I'm just, you know, I'm, it's time for coffee. That's it's always time for coffee. Um, but no, our favorite thing about that page is that there's a place on there where you can share your story with us because we would love nothing more than to be able to encourage you as you are taking your steps with Jesus. And actually, if you're here with us in person on your way out, there's a table with some red bags. In there is a free Bible for you. It's our gift for you. There's also a paper that talks about some of those resources on our website. So please grab one of those. We would love to connect with you as you are taking those steps on your journey to know Jesus. And for all of us in here today, I have a couple of other next steps for you. And something that stuck out so much to me in Barry's uh, message that he was sharing is just how much a relationship can change the trajectory of your life. And we know that the Word of God is powerful, it's living, it has the ability to change our lives day by day. But can I tell you that the Word of God applied in your life with a relationship of another person who's walking side by side or soul to soul with you can just launch God's plan and purpose for your life. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't signed up, we are one week into our summer life groups. They are live. They are awesome. We have 12 life groups. And if you're going, man, I need to find a place where I can get connected to some relationships, this is the place for you. We have something just about every day of the week. We have something for almost every kind of person you could think of. We have fitness groups and walking groups and Bible groups and barbecue groups. It's like whatever you it is that you love to do, get alongside the people of God and do it with them. Have those relationships in your life because like Barry said, it is in those relationships where freedom is found. The book of James says that we find healing in our relationships. We find freedom there. And so I don't want you to miss out on your opportunity to be a part of life groups this summer. And the next step I have for you is to encourage you to be a part of what God is doing in real life through your generosity. Um, I know in my own life, it is just such a privilege to be a part of what God does when I step out and say, hey, I'm going to sacrificially give to God. And what that means in my life is when we have people come and say, hey, I need to utilize that free counselor and get those four free counseling sessions. That means I get to sit in and be a part of it, right? Because when I'm giving here, it's going out and it's making a difference. It means when kids are coming to Christ in youth 
group that I get to be a part of that because those young people are changing their lives and they're being raised up and we're raising up leaders and helping people discover their purpose and we're making disciples here in this building out in the community when we're helping to feed people to care for people to love for people that means I get to be a part of it and so honestly it's kind of a selfish fun thing to say that to see let God use me in that way and so I don't want you to miss out on the blessing that that is it's really a way that you can change the spiritual landscape of our city and so I want you to be a part of that and you can do that three ways you can go to reallifechurchkc.com you can text any amount to 84321 or you can drop in the back we have a box you can drop cash or check in there and there's an envelope system for you to use back there and so I just want to encourage you to take a couple of those steps God is going to use this summer God is going to use today and to make a big difference in your life so check out this video What are you guys doing here? This is embarrassing. Got me a big daddy donuts. Just preparing my dad bod for uh, this next coming Sunday for Father's Day. Oh. This is intense training right now in this place. But next Sunday, since I got you here, I just gotta let you know, there's gonna be something real special for the dads, if you know what I mean. You're not gonna miss it. And I heard, like the greatest photo booth of all time. Especially for your dads. I'm super, super excited. And there's a series about transformation, which hopefully is like a physical transformation because I'm gonna need it after shooting this video. But I want you to come out because I'm eating way too much donuts right here. So I need you guys to help eat the rest of these donuts for me. But we're gonna do a little short series leading up to the end of June. So I want you guys to be there. I know your stocking is creepy. You're the creepiest people ever in the whole world. So 9, 30, and 11. I'll see you guys next Sunday. What are you guys doing here again? You guys stalking me or something crazy? Like I'm a pastor of a church or something weird? I'm gonna tell you something. We are preparing for the hottest ticket in town coming up in July. Guess what? We're bringing back at the movies. Come on. So, we got a great American 4th of July classic, the best, The Patriot. Come on. So, it's gonna be awesome. But we're doing something very special that day. You're not going to miss out on. And uh, we're actually doing something with the kids. Very new. Have done this before. All the kids program is going to have their own at the movies. Which means you got to own popcorn, own candy, own soda, 
They're gonna absolutely love it for movies their age. And awesome photo booth, but the 4th of July is a very special day for obvious reasons. But for us, we're gonna combine the one 10 o'clock gathering and then we're gonna do the biggest all-American cookout we've ever had to celebrate the 4th of July. So I encourage you to start bringing your friends, inviting your friends out, not gonna miss it. And stop stalking me. I'm trying to prepare for at the movies. Go on, come on, I'll see you guys next Sunday, 9.30, 11, Father's Day. Don't miss it. Bye. Who's excited for at the movies again? Come on, that's gonna be so much fun. You know, I keep sending Sean gift baskets and gift cards and, and just begging for him to give us some life purpose and, and meaning from one of my favorites, Dumb and Dumber, but he just won't do it. It's so rude, you know, but hey, maybe, maybe this summer will be, will be my lucky day. Hey, seriously though, be thinking about people you can be inviting to At The Movies. It's the easiest message series ever to invite a friend, family member, coworker to, and it all starts in July. So be thinking and praying about that. If you need prayer or anyone just to talk to, we have people that'll be right up here at the front that would love to connect with you. So don't be bashful about that. We would love to do that. And don't forget next week is Father's Day. It's gonna be so awesome. All the guys just in this room just celebrated big next week. So bring dad out, bring grandpas, whoever in your life that would just want an encouraging word and wanna be celebrated. You know it's gonna be huge. And sounds like there's gonna be some donuts. So I'm excited for that as well. 9, 30, and 11, he's gonna start a brand new series called Transformed. So we'd love to see you back here next week. And as always, whoever finds Jesus discovers life and purpose. Have a great week. We'll see you.